Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Trudeau Mary's was regarded with suspicion and even dislike. It was whispered among them that, learned and pious as he was, the opinions of the high priest were not in accordance with the general sentiments of the priesthood, that although he performed punctiliously all the numerous duties of his office, and took his part in the sacrifices and processions of the god, yet he lacked reverence for him, and entertained notions widely at variance with those of his fellows. Ameris was, in fact, one of those men who refuse to be bound by the thoughts and opinions of others, and to whom it is a necessity to bring their own judgment to bear on every question presented to them. His father, who had been high priest before him, for the great offices of Egypt were for the most part hereditary, while he had been delighted at the thirst for knowledge and the enthusiasm for study in his son, had been frequently shocked at the freedom with which he expressed his opinions as step by step he was initiated into the sacred mysteries. Already at his introduction to the priesthood, Ameris had mastered all there was to learn in geometry and astronomy. He was a skillful architect, and was deeply versed in the history of the nation. He had already been employed as supervisor in the construction of canals and irrigation works on the property belonging to the temple, and in all these respects his father had every reason to be proud of the success he had attained and the estimation in which he was held by his fellows. It was only the latitude which he allowed himself in consideration of religious questions which alarmed and distressed his father. The Egyptians were the most conservative of peoples. For thousands of years no change whatever took place in their constitution, their manners, customs, and habits. It was the fixed belief of every Egyptian that in all respects their country was superior to any other, and that their laws and customs had approached perfection. All, from the highest to the lowest, were equally bound by these. The king himself was no more independent than the peasant, his hour of rising, the manner in which the day should be employed, the very quantity and quality of food he should eat, were all rigidly dictated by custom. He was surrounded from his youth by young men of his own age, sons of priests, chosen for their virtue and piety. Thus he was freed from the influence of evil advisers, and even had he so wished it, had neither means nor power of oppressing his subjects, whose rights and privileges were as strictly defined as his own. In a country, then, where every man followed the profession of his father, and where from time immemorial everything had proceeded on precisely the same lines, 
the fact that ameres the son of the high priest of osiris and himself destined to succeed to that dignity should entertain opinions differing even in the slightest from those held by the leaders of the priesthood was sufficient to cause him to be regarded with marked disfavor among them it was indeed only because his piety and benevolence were as remarkable as his learning and knowledge of science that he was enabled at his father's death to succeed to his office without opposition indeed even at that time the priests of higher grade would have opposed his election but ameres was as popular with the lower classes of the priesthood as with the people at large and their suffrages would have swamped those of his opponents the multitude had indeed never heard so much as a whisper against the orthodoxy of the high priest of osiris they saw him ever foremost in the sacrifices and processions they knew that he was indefatigable in his services in the temple and that all his spare time was devoted to works of benevolence and general utility and as they bent devoutly as he passed through the streets they little dreamed that the high priest of osiris was regarded by his chief brethren as a dangerous innovator and yet it was on one subject only that he differed widely from his order versed as he was in the innermost mysteries he had learned the true meaning of the religion of which he was one of the chief ministers he was aware that osiris and isis the six other great gods and the innumerable divinities whom the egyptians worshipped under the guise of deities with the heads of animals were in themselves no gods at all but mere attributes of the power the wisdom the goodness the anger of the one great god a god so mighty that his name was unknown and that it was only when each of his attributes was given an individuality and worshipped as a god that it could be understood by the finite sense of man all this was known to ameres and the few who like him had been admitted to the inmost mysteries of the egyptian religion the rest of the population in egypt worshipped in truth and in faith the animal-headed gods and the animals sacred to them and yet as to these animals there was no consensus of opinion in one no more division of the kingdom the crocodile was sacred in another he was regarded with dislike and the ichneumon that was supposed to be his destroyer was deified in one the goat was worshipped and in another eaten for food and so it was throughout the whole of the list of sacred animals which were regarded with reverence or indifference according to the gods who were looked upon as the special tutelary deities of the gnome it was the opinion of ameres that the knowledge confined only to the initiated should be more widely disseminated and without wishing to extend it at present to the ignorant masses of the peasantry and laborers he thought that all the educated and intelligent classes of egypt should be admitted to an understanding of the real nature of the gods they worshipped and the inner truths of their religion he was willing to admit that the process must be gradual and that it would be necessary to enlarge gradually the circle of the initiated his proposals were nevertheless received with dismay and horror by his colleagues they asserted that to allow others besides the higher priesthood to become aware of the deep mysteries of their religion would be attended with terrible consequences in the first place it would shake entirely the respect and reverence in which the priesthood were held and would annihilate their influence the temples would be deserted and losing the faith which they now so steadfastly held in the gods people would soon cease to have any religion at all 
there are no people they urged on the face of the earth so moral so contented so happy and so easily ruled as the egyptians but what would they be did you destroy all their beliefs and launch them upon a sea of doubt and speculation no longer would they look up to those who have so long been their guides and teachers and whom they regard as possessing a knowledge and wisdom infinitely beyond theirs they would accuse us of having deceived them and in their blind fury destroy alike the gods and their ministers the idea of such a thing is horrible ameres was silenced though not convinced he felt indeed that there was much truth in the view they entertained of the matter and that terrible consequences would almost certainly follow the discovery by the people that for thousands of years they had been led by the priests to worship as gods those who were no gods at all and he saw that the evil which would arise from a general enlightenment of the people would outweigh any benefit that they could derive from the discovery the system had as his colleagues said worked well and the fact that the people worshipped as actual deities imaginary beings who were really but the representatives of the attributes of the infinite god could not be said to have done them any actual harm at any rate he alone and unaided could do nothing only with the general consent of the higher priesthood could the circle of initiated be widened and any movement on his part alone would simply bring upon him disgrace and death therefore after unburdening himself in a council composed only of the higher initiates he held his peace and went on the quiet tenor of his way enlightened as he was he felt that he did no wrong to preside at the sacrifices and take part in the services of the gods he was worshipping not the animal-headed idols but the attributes which they personified he felt pity for the ignorant multitude who laid their offerings upon the shrine and yet he felt that it would shatter their happiness instead of adding to it were they to know that the deity they worshipped was a myth he allowed his wife and daughter to join with the priestesses in the service at the temple and in his heart acknowledged that there was much in the contention of those who argued that the spread of the knowledge of the inner mysteries would not conduce to the happiness of all who received it indeed he himself would have shrunk from disturbing the minds of his wife and daughter by informing them that all their pious ministrations in the temple were offered to non-existent gods that the sacred animals they tended were in no way more sacred than others save that in them were recognized some shadow of the attributes of the unknown god his eldest son was he saw not of a disposition to be troubled with the problems which gave him so much subject for thought and care he would conduct the services consciously and well he would bear a respectable part when on his accession to the high priesthood he became one of the counsellors of the monarch he had common sense but no imagination the knowledge of the inmost mysteries would not disturb his mind in the slightest degree and it was improbable that even a thought would ever cross his mind that the terrible deception practised by the enlightened upon the whole people was anything but right and proper ameres saw however that chebron was altogether differently constituted he was very intelligent and was possessed of an ardent thirst for knowledge of all kinds but he had also his father's habit of looking at matters from all points of view and of thinking for himself the manner in which ameres had himself superintended his studies and taught him to work with his understanding and to convince himself that each rule and precept was true before proceeding to the next had developed his thinking powers altogether ameres saw that the doubts which filled his own mind as to the honesty or even expediency 
of keeping the whole people in darkness and error would probably be felt with even greater force by chebron he had determined therefore that the lad should not work up through all the grades of the priesthood to the upper rank but should after rising high enough to fit himself for official employment turn his attention to one or other of the great departments of state End of chapter 4